Good morning. Let's pray as we prepare our hearts to listen to God's word. Father, thank you for the liberty to open your word and to read as a church. We pray that you will quiet on our hearts and, and minds and concerns that we have so that we can focus just on you as we open your word. We ask that you will speak through David as he explained uh, the letter to Colossians, verse 1 to, and chapter 1, verse 1 to 14. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to invite you to turn your Bibles to page 953. When I was reading this part of the scriptures, I, I tried to put myself in the position of a recipient of this letter. And I found that uh, I, I like to read it slowly. Uh, as we read it together. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people at Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You've learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we, uh, we live in a world <clears throat> that tells us that we need more. We need to get more out of life. <clears throat> and we're promised 
uh, that we can. We're, we're bombarded with commercials and ads telling us how to get more, how to get more out of life, how to get more out of your money, how to get better bang for your buck, a better, better nest egg, better holidays, better car, home, house, groceries, or how to get more out of your diet, how to lose weight, how to bulk up, how to have a more healthy lifestyle. And you see, the internet's full of ideas and tips on how to be more successful, more satisfied, more fulfilled, more healthy, popular, you name it, it's on there. And so we can be left thinking that we need much more, that we are missing out. But I wonder if we think the same about the Christian life. Are you satisfied with your walk with God? Or do you want more? Are you hoping for some vigour, some oomph, some feeling, some something that the feeling of, of not missing out. Like those other Christians down the road who, who seem to be so full of life. I'm not thinking of a particular, I'm just saying, just some Christians full of life who seem to have it all together. Do we need more to be like them? And so you head to Kurong, the Christian bookstore, looking for a book that will tell you how to have the most, deepest, intimate, fulfillers Christian life now. But I wonder if we did want to have a more fuller life, do we know what we really need? Do we know how to get more out of the Christian life? And if you did want to, do you know where you could get it? Well, thankfully we don't need uh, Kurong to, to give us a book. We have the book of Colossians in front of us. And with that we can find out how we can get more out of the Christian life. Uh, we're starting the book of Colossians today as a church, and we're going to read it up to up until just before uh, Christmas. And we notice there in the uh, opening uh, verse there that it's written by Paul. Paul was an apostle. An apostle was someone who was sent by the Lord Jesus to do his work. And while there were twelve apostles at the start, who were sent by Jesus at the at the end of uh, the Gospels, uh, Paul he was an extra apostle. Uh, Paul had, had met Jesus on his road to Damascus. His, his life was transformed. He became the, the extra apostle. And so we, we don't have apostles uh, today. Well, Paul, he was the, the apostle to the Gentiles, or sent to the Gentiles, to the, to the nations. And so Paul, he would travel all over the place between Jerusalem all the way across to Rome. And I've got a, a map uh, up on the screen. This is what, the third uh, trip uh, that he did. You can see he kind of traveled vast areas. And he's written this letter to the, to the Colossians. But here's the thing about these people. Unlike a lot of the other places that Paul visited, Paul uh, never started this church. He didn't plant this church. In fact, he didn't even go there. He kind of skips Colossae on, on, on his way to Laodicea. And so it's actually Epaphras. Epaphras was this a native of, of Colossae. He grew up in Colossae. And as he left at some point, he heard the gospel in some other town. He was like, whoa, this is amazing. He was so struck by the power of the gospel and how good and momentous this news was that he went home. And he started telling everyone else about this. And as he, as he proclaimed, people started to believe and trust in the Lord Jesus. And a church was started. A church was formed through the, through the faithful ministry of Epaphras. And so as this church has been going for a little while, uh, Epaphras uh, goes back and tells Paul who he knew and tells him about this church. 
And so Paul, whilst he's in prison, he sits down and he pens this this letter and sends it off to them. And so you, you can imagine, can't you, the church sitting down together to, to hear the letter read aloud as this great authoritative Paul, the Apostle Paul himself, writes to them. And they'd be thinking, wow, what's he going to say to us? And we can say the same today. What's Paul going to say to us through the book of Colossians today? Well, the first thing he does is he thanks God for them. Uh, Have a look there at verse uh, 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Here is the great Apostle Paul, Paul himself, always thanking God for them whenever he thinks of them in prayer. And even though he'd have a, a huge prayer list of all the people and all the churches all across the place that he's planted churches, he always makes time to pray for these people, to pray for these people he does not even know. And he prays and he's thankful because, again, have a look there at verse 4, we have heard of your faith. In Christ Jesus. You see, Paul is thankful because he's heard about their faith. They've heard the good news, the amazing news of the gospel, and they've trusted it. They have put their faith, their trust in Jesus. And they have a real and true and genuine faith. You see, they've foregone all other authorities over them. And they have given their lives to the authority of Jesus. You see, their identity, their value, their status, their worth, they are found in Jesus alone. And it's worth us pondering if we do the same. What authority do we find our identity in? Our value, our worth, our status. Do you find your identity in from the workplace and the pat on the back your boss gives or the grades you get at university or the honour you show your parents. And if you're not sure, maybe think and reflect on the things that you daydream, the things that you long for, deeply, deeply long for. Is it for a a sweet job, a better relationship, a, a nicer house, a larger nest egg? Because if we drift off thinking about these things, well, they're most likely the things where we place our authority in life. The authority in our lives and what we live for. But as Christians, those who have put their trust and faith in the Lord Jesus, we find our identity in him alone. Paul is thankful for their faith. But he's also thankful for their love. Have a look there again at verse 4. And of the love you have for all God's people. And their faith seen in their love are for God's people, fellow Christians. All of them. All of their fellow believers. Not just the people they get along with, their friends. Not just the people who are similar to them. Not the respectable, the the wealthy, the educated, or even those who agree theologically or politically with us. No, no, no. They loved all the people in their midst. The different, the smelly, even the Collingwood supporters among them. They loved them all. 
And so the question beckons us, do we love all God's people as well? Do we love all those here in church, those similar to us, and even those radically different from us, regardless of the difference? Can we too be known for our love for one another? Paul is thankful for their love. Uh, Paul uh, is thankful for their faith and their love, and their faith and love, well, it comes uh, from their hope. It comes from their hope. Again, have a look at verse uh, 5. The faith and love that, that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. You see, they have a faith and love because of their hope that is stored, it is reserved, kept for them in heaven. Hope is an anticipation, uh, something that you, we, we look forward to happening. And we kind of, we hear this language all the time. I, I hope my team wins or I hope I get this job or I really hope this circumstance happens. And, and hope can drive us and give us a reason to live. And so when we hear stories of people who say survived Hitler's Holocaust and survived the concentration camps, it is those with hope uh, who survived. Even though there was no guarantee that they would survive, they still had hope. But see, as, as Christians, our hope is guaranteed. Our hope's stored, reserved, kept in heaven for us. And it's the hope of, of salvation, eternal life, of life beyond the here and now. It's the hope beyond the muck and pain of this day. It's the hope of eternal life that is, that is kept, reserved, stored for us in heaven and nothing can get to it. It will never perish, spoil or fade like everything else in life. And we have it because of the, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus who died and rose. He gives us this wonderful hope. And it's a guaranteed hope of what is to come that really helps us face the difficulties we find ourselves in each day. The difficulties at work, at, at home, our, our broken relationships, the persecution we face for being believers. Because we know that what is here and now isn't all there is in life. We have something so much better, greater to come, and that is our great and sure hope. As Paul begins uh, his letter to these people he's never met, he's thankful because he has heard of their great hope that is stored in heaven which has resulted in their, their faith in the Lord Jesus and their love for one another. I wonder how you feel about your fellow brothers and sisters around you. Are they your family, your friends, people you don't know? Imagine seeing them like Paul did and being grateful and, and ever thankful for the work of faith, of love and spirit in each of our lives. Let me encourage you to thank God for each one of us, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and particularly for their faith, their love, and their hope. Well, they have this faith, this love, and this hope because of the work of the gospel. The gospel has been proclaimed and they have 
heard it. Have a look there at verse 5. You have already heard um, in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. You see, Paul isn't explaining the gospel to them for the first time. Paul isn't the one who who came to them and and, and shared the good news of Christ with them. No, no, they've already heard it. Epaphras brought the, the, how's it described there? The true message, the, the word of truth, the gospel. You see, the, the momentous news of salvation through faith in Jesus, Epaphras was the one who brought it, and upon hearing it, well, well, they believed. And the incredible effect of the gospel among them is actually happening across the world. Uh, verse 6, uh, have a look there. In the same way, the gospel is bearing, uh, is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You see, the same gospel that was preached to them uh, and bore fruit among them, well, it's that same gospel that is being preached all around the world and is bearing fruit all around the world. Because this gospel message, it's it's not just uh, uh, this momentous news, is isn't just for a select few. It is marvellous news for all people all over the world. And for us today, the gospel continues to bear fruit all around the world. It may feel like the church is in a rapid decline in the West, but secular newspapers uh, like the Washington Post, even they report that there is rapid growth of people becoming believers, of of becoming Christians in, in China in Iran, these places with great persecution and yet the Christian church continues to, to grow. People are coming to know and trust in the Lord Jesus. Isn't that incredible? It continues to do a great work all around the world as it does among us as we proclaim, as we speak the word of Christ to those around us. It bears much fruit. You see, Epaphras was the first one who brought the good news to them. And as he spoke, well, they heard and they believed. And Epaphras would have been very dear to them as a result. And so I wonder, I wonder for you, who's the Epaphras in your life? Who is the one who first shared the good news of the gospel with you? You might have been privileged What a great privilege you've had, if this is you, to have been raised in a Christian family, that you have always known of God's love for you in the Lord Jesus. How wonderful that is for you. Thank God for your godly parents who sought to teach you the ways of the Lord Jesus from infancy. Or you may be like me, uh, who heard the gospel at university or, or later in life because Someone loved you and, and cared for you and gave you the time to, to speak with you, to, to read the Bible, to, to share the wondrous gospel with you, who, who answered your questions, who dealt with your pushback and your ridicule, but patiently and prayerfully spent time with you until you believed. Let me encourage you this afternoon to to thank God for those people in your life. Thank God for the Epaphras in your life. Paul thanks our God for these Christians he's never met, 
because he's because they've heard the gospel because he has heard that the gospel has been bearing fruit among them seen in the way that they have faith in their love and their hope and yet paul wants more you see paul wants more for them he doesn't just want them to be stagnant in the faith yeah i'm a mature christian i've got it all covered i'm all good no 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 he wants more he wants them to grow he wants he he wants them he so and so he moves on from thanking god for them to praying for them he prays that they'll have more and so he does that by praying asking god that he will fill them have a look there from verse 9 uh, for this reason that is because the the fruit of the gospel their faith, love and hope seen in the way that they live, because of that, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. He prays they will be Filled, filled with the knowledge of God's will. You know, he's already prayed. Uh, he's already given thanks for the understanding, the, the knowledge that they have of God's grace, verse 6. And correspondingly, he now prays that they'll be filled with the knowledge of God's will. But it begs the question, doesn't it? What is the knowledge of God's will? What does that mean? Could it be God's specific guidance on a specific personal situation? Getting the knowledge of God that will help us decide what we should do in life, where to live, what job to accept, what church to attend, or any other thing? And sure, God could provide specific personal guidance like that. A God who made everything in the world by the power of his word he could if he wanted to send the little birdie to land on my shoulder and tell me everything i ever wanted marry this person take this job go to that church live over here done dusted all the things i needed to know but even though god could do that god doesn't tend to do that and so what's the knowledge of god's will here We see there in verse 10 uh, that by knowing God's will, we will live lives, we will walk in ways that are worthy of God and please him in every way. And so it's knowing what God delights in, what God takes pleasure in. It's less about me, it's less about you, but more knowing what pleases God. You see, he wants them, in fact, he wants us here today to have a a deep and enduring understanding of Jesus and all that he has done and what that means for us today. So so to be filled with the knowledge of of God's will, it's, it's to grow in our understanding of Jesus who we meet through his word. It's to, to see him more clearly and to be more and more grateful for his death and resurrection 
It's to be more and more repulsed by our sin, to be more and more grateful for his grace and to continue growing in our understanding and knowledge of Jesus and us wanting to know him more as we continue to love and long to read his word. But you see, it's not just knowledge for knowledge's sake. It's not just knowledge so that we'll be puffed up, so that we can answer sweet Bible quizzes or, or seem really impressive like, ah, oh, that guy really knows his Bible in, in a discipleship team, our, our small group Bible studies. No, 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 no. Verse 10, he shows us that the knowledge impacts how we live. The knowledge is to affect how we live, that it in turn pleases God with how we live. Paul then continues to show us four ways uh, to, to live a life pleasing uh, to God. The first one there is in verse uh, 10. It's bearing fruit in every good work. You see, at first it's bearing fruit. He's, he's already given thanks for their fruit. The fruit is at work, but he wants more. He prays for more fruit, not stagnant, to think we've got it covered, we've reached maturity. No, no, no but to continue growing, to bear fruit, to be evident in the way that we we live our lives, bearing fruit in our our faith, our our love for one another and the hope we have of Christ's return. You see, he wants them, he wants us to be productive in our walk with the Lord Jesus. Uh, Second, again from verse 10, growing in the knowledge of God. You see, Paul keeps on coming back to this idea of knowledge and growing in the knowledge because our lives, the gospel is all tied up with the knowledge of the gospel. The gospel drives everything. And so we need to continue coming back to continue to, to understand it and understand what it means for us in all our different areas of life. It's, it's not growing in the extra spiritual stuff of, of you need to have a, 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 an out of, out of body experience or see angels or, or any, any of those kinds of things. It's, it's, it's finding God in his word and, and growing in our understanding of that. That is what he wants us to, to have, to grow more in. Well, next is verse 11. Have a look there. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. And the idea of being strengthened here, we might, we might be left to wonder, is this strengthening there to make our lives better, to give us the strength, to give us what we want? what we need in life, to take away the the pain, the hurt, the troubles, the trials that we find ourselves in. Well, sadly not. Uh, We are strengthened, did you notice that, with all power according to his glorious might so that we can endure with patience. You see, being strengthened won't remove the difficult things happening to us in life. In fact, it helps us Press on to endure through it, that we may continue to be patient and trusting in God through it. You see, God has promised that there is a time coming when he will right all wrongs, when all the difficult things will be taken away, that all the messy things of this present life will end. But that time has not yet come. 
That time will come when Jesus returns. And so God promises to strengthen us with all his power and according to his glorious but with all the power that the almighty God who created all things, he uses that power to, to help us get through the difficulties, to endure with patience as we await. It's kind of like Vijaya. I read about this guy this week. Vijaya was this guy from India. He was wrongly con- uh, convicted of murder and spent 10 years in a jail. But his time in jail saw him really strengthened in his faith. Uh, he said he was quite nominal in the past and actually grew to have a genuine faith through his time in prison. He grew in his appreciation of, of God's word. He was growing in the knowledge of God's will. And God used his time in prison mightily. God saw him start a church within the jail, saw many people come to know and trust the Lord Jesus. You see, God strengthened Bajaya with all power according to his glorious might so that he could endure with patience in his time in jail. The final thing there uh, <clears throat> Paul wants, is he wants them to, be, to bear fruit, to grow in knowledge, to be strengthened, and finally it's to, verse 12, giving joyful thanks to the Father. Paul doesn't know them personally, but he expects them and he inspects us to be thankful. And it's not just thankful for the good things that are happening in life. Oh, Father, thanks so much for the, for the weather and the, all the good things that happen. But actually, to be thankful even through the trials and difficulties that we find ourselves in. To be giving thanks. But you might ask, what can we be giving thanks in that difficult times that we may be going through? How can we be giving joyful thanks? Well, verse 12, have a look there. God the Father's qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We give joyful thanks to God for his generous kindness to us in addressing our greatest need. You see, our greatest need isn't to fix our broken relationships, to heal us from our sickness, to deal with the corruption, injustice of the world, to, uh, in terms of the, the abuse of the environment, in ending world peace or, or creating uh, or ending poverty. As important as those things are, they are not our greatest problem. Our greatest problem is to be rescued by Jesus, the forgiveness of sins. And you see, the need to be rescued shows that we're in danger. But we may and that we need help, but we may not even realise it. We may not realise we need to be rescued. It's kind of like the the ice addict who's loving life loving getting high all the time, but deep down they are in a world of pain, slowly dying, meaning to be rescued from it. 
You see, we too need to be rescued. Uh, we're, in the, we we're in the dominion of darkness, away from God, opposed to God, rebels against him, and yet whilst we were rebels, enemies, at that point, at our very lowest, Christ died for us. He rescued, he saved us, he transferred us from, from the dominion of, of darkness, of his rule, and brought us into the kingdom of his light through his son. You see, God saves us. And he gives us faith to believe and he rescues and saves us. How incredible is that? So many things to be thankful for. And he's also qualified us to share in the inheritance, the inheritance along with all of his saved people. Uh, Jesus' inheritance, all that belongs to, to him, he died and rose, will belong to us too. We will die and we too will, will rise to life. What belongs to Jesus will belong to us. So much to be thankful for. And these things are things that money can't buy. Our good moral effort can't earn these things. We can only receive them because only God has achieved them for us and given them to us through his son, the Lord Jesus. Paul's thankful for the faith and love and hope of this Colossian church. But you see, he wants more for them. He wants them to be filled with the knowledge of God's will and that it would be seen in all areas of their life. And while the world tells us we need more, Paul wants more for us too. He wants us to to continue to grow, to be filled with the knowledge of God's will, and that it would be seen in the way that we live. And so let's be shaped by this wonderful prayer. And whilst it's good to, to pray for for the things going on in our in our lives, like our auntie saw toe. Uh, let's not cheapen our prayers by just praying for those things. Let's be shaped by Paul's prayer here and and pray for more for one another, that we may be filled and be seen in our life. God wants more for us, but we can only do that by his help. And so let's, let's do that now. Let's pray to God and ask his help to, to fill us. Let's pray. Father, we give you great thanks for your word and for, the great, uh, for this wonderful prayer that Paul has prayed <coughs> for the people of uh, Colossae. Father, I want to thank you for, for the faith of the people here at church uh, their love for one another and the great hope we have in the resurrection of that what is here now is, is not uh, all there is to come, that what is to come is so much better. Father, I thank you so much for our church that through we can, you can see our faith, love and hope. But Father, we pray for more. We do pray that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will. And that through that, as we grow more and more in our understanding of you, that would be seen in the way that we live, that we would bear fruit in what we do, that we continue to grow, increase in our knowledge of you, that we would be strengthened during the hardships to endure and press on, 
and most importantly to be giving you joyful thanks. Because, Father, on our own we are lost, we are dead in the dominion of darkness. And yet through your wonderful kindness and grace you have saved and rescued us through Jesus. Father, help us always to be thankful of that, regardless of what happens from day to day. To be grateful for your mercy in saving us in the Lord Jesus. Father, continue to fill us in the knowledge of your will, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.